Hello, all you Covey Club and Reinvent Yourself listeners. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of Covey Club and of Reinvent Yourself. And I have a crazy discussion for you today because for me, it goes all the way back to my teenhood. Um, and this wonderful woman who we're going to talk to, Candy Coslow Gold, was in my class growing up when I was at boarding school. And she was a day student, and I was a boarding student up in Massachusetts. And, you know, you never know what people are going to end up doing and how they're going to go on and how they're going to change the world. And she has done such an amazing job that her story is so interesting. And I love the fact that it continues um, in her 60s, which is just fantastic. So here are Candy's um, big producer names and uh, what do you want to call it? Her resume so you can understand who she is. She was the producer on these various things. I won't give you the dates, but starting from 2012 to 2019, End of the Rainbow, Dead Accounts, Glass Menagerie, The Realistic Joneses, The Heidi Chronicles, An Act of God, Eclipsed, Significant Other, Meteor Shower, Hades Town, Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, Jagged Little Pill. And she has won a Tony Award already and for Eclipsed and Hades Town, And this is just a friend who was hanging around senior class. And what's really interesting is that she started out doing mom jobs in the media area because she didn't want to, you know, she wanted to be around her kids. And she started in media and, you know, discovered she was pregnant and decided that she had a tone it back a little bit, had a fabulous career in media. She created her, she's definitely a go-getter. She created her own baking show on television um, called Neighborhood Cooking with Candy Gold. She was the writer, the producer, um, everything, the videographer for that one. And then when the economic downturn happened in 2008, and she had all these freelance jobs that were going great and paying her and she was loving it and she was reporting on serious things and also the arts, that all dried up and she had to decide what else is she gonna do. And she found her way into becoming a, eventually a Broadway producer. But her love of, her personal love of singing and music and writing all played a part in moving her toward the second part of her career. And what she says is, you know, this is the moment when a lot of people are winding down and she's still winding up. And you're just going to love listening to the wonderful Candy Coslow Gold. And here she is. So, Candy, I am so glad to have you here. I never thought when we were in high school that you would end up being a producer (laughs) on Broadway and I would be here interviewing you (laughs) for my little business. So it is so wonderful to have you here. How are you doing today? It's amazing. I'm thrilled. I, (laughs) I, I love this. And, and I'm not, I'm not too proud to say that I sort of pursued you a little bit because I have followed your illustrious career for so long. And I'm Uh like, 
you know, at reunions, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I've sort of reinvented myself a little bit. And totally. maybe it's a story. And I'm like harassing you because, you know, <laughs> I've been interviewed in the New York Times and huge publications, but no, no getting an interview from someone I went to high school with and, and you, because you were such a big deal in high school. This is like, like, like fangirl moment. Completely. Oh, you're so cute. That's hysterical. What did you do when we were running spread, which was our, <laughs> our, our senior year offering to the juniors and part of it was a play production where we did Mary Poppins. Oh my were you in, how were you involved? I was trying to remember, was Candy like already producing at that point? No, no, hard, but very involved with, yes. And, and, um, yeah, uh, seniors pre present rings evening after dinner. I totally, oh, you were doing that. Okay. I was totally remembering that. Um, um, I always loved music, singing, theater. Um, my bigger deal was when I was a junior, we would do the spring performances with Noble and Greeno. We were the girls' yes. school, they were the boys' school. I remember. And we all auditioned. And I remember we were doing Brigadoon. And they, they always wanted to cast the seniors. And they would, you know, occasionally they'd take a junior. Very mm -hmm. rarely a sophomore or freshman. Mm -hmm. And they... um in the cast they had two juniors another girl and myself that was a very big deal that we were with the seniors every night and all the senior guys from nobles and i met a guy and we were the little showmance of the show and we oh, dated for a very long time at showmance and that was kind of a big dh moment for me uh to be in the play and to be with all the older kids and that was that was really empowering and then of course senior year they did mame and they cast somebody else's mame i was convinced i was getting mame and that was about the worst moment of my life oh my god but see so, isn't yeah, that it's so wonderful look what happened <laughs> true true i i yes but you know that's what i and i, I even even this year like flash forwarding really a lot winning a tony award and I have also lost. I've been nominated twice before and lost. So uh -huh. it's like I keep saying to people, they're like, this is amazing. And I'm like, but yeah, do you remember when I was nominated and lost? Because sort of that's the character building stuff. That's so, right. Oh, how many people have I interviewed? So many celebrities who would say, oh, yes, I'm an overnight sensation that worked at it for 25 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's so, a long road. But that's so funny because I do remember those shows. Yeah. Um, and I, and it was, I can't. And then my dance. other, I will tell you my other very big Dana Hall moment. Do you remember <laughs> Revels? Yes, which okay. is our, the Christmas program. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the evening, this was beautiful. We did have some beautiful traditions. Um, at the end of the evening, we'd all go to Beverage Hall. Yes. And everybody would sit out there. And it was very pretty building room we sat in. And the evening would start with somebody singing Silent Night. And yes. I remember being asked to be the Silent Night soloist that year. Oh, I my never, God. 
I didn't never remember that. been more nervous in my entire life. It's a real soprano head song, as we say. And I, oh my gosh, I practiced so long and so hard. And you would think that I was, you know, was, uh, you know, that I was on Broadway. Right. I was practicing so hard. And I, you know, I, I pulled it off. I did it. But boy, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college and the, you, when your mind flashes back and you go, I, I, I was the silent night soloist. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to really top that. So. <laughs> so what did you study in college? Um, you know, I actually ended up sort of going down the path. I got to college and I always loved music and rock and roll. And okay. I found theater. I, so I started with theater and they handed us up like we were in a seminar hall and they were like, you will read 70,000 plays this year and write about them. And I'm like, I'm not oh going to act. God. And it became more about theater as the written format. And I went, oh, this is so not for me. This is glorified English class. Uh -huh. And so I ended up, I went and ha went, the college had a radio station and I started working as a DJ, which was the hippest, coolest job in the world. And I would, we'd have, uh, little local rock stars on and I'd interview them. And that was so much fun finding out their story. And I got practice being on the radio. And then I found out that you could get an internship and actually get credit for college and major in communications because that's what radio was sort of under. And I went and I got an internship at a radio station in Boston for an entire year. And they said to me, you know, you, you're a really good writer. Why don't you be, you should really do some stuff in our news department. I was like, eh, news, boring. I want to be a hip, cool <laughs> FM rock and roller. And, um, and they said, no, you're going to write. And I said, okay. And like, never looked back. I started into doing news reporting and writing the news. And I went, oh my God, this is really interesting. And I still loved my rock and roll. But then out of college, spent the next 12 years as a radio news reporter, where somewhere along the line, I realized if you wrote arts and entertainment reviews, they would give you free tickets to the shows. Ah. And I went, oh, this works for me. So basically, as an adjunct, what we used to call a kicker story, I'd say, you know, and the new play Cats by Andrew Lloyd Webber opened last night and it's a show for the whole family, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm out. And then they'd give me, I'd get free tickets to the show. So that worked and I, that's how I started. So I sort of went, I mean, I covered, I, I interviewed five presidents. I covered space shuttle blastoffs. I went to Congress, Capitol Hill for State of the Union. I had a lot of really rewarding and rich, enriching experiences as, as a radio news reporter. And then I was up here in Boston at WBZ and <laughs> went to the bathroom with this little kit that I had bought and found out I was pregnant in the newsroom mm -hmm. at WBZ after I'd gotten married and sort of said, oh, okay, well, maybe I have to cut back a little bit. I can't do all this crazy running around chasing fire trucks and ambulances and all that stuff. And stayed home, had my baby and 
sort of went, do I really want to go back to work? What what do I want to do? And then started doing more and more arts and entertainment reporting, which was great because I could put my baby to bed, then a second baby. And I'm like you, I have the girl and the boy. And, um, and I could put my children to bed, go out, go see a show, write up a review in the middle of the night, go to sleep and wake up with them in the morning. It was the perfect mom job. And so arts and entertainment reporting sort of took over. And then from there, my, later on when my kids were in school, um, they needed somebody to be a director. And I was like, well, I know a lot about theater. So I started directing like children's theater and school theater and community theater and spent many years. Again, I would go to work at night so I could be with my kids all day. It was a great mom job. And then ended up on the board at the Wang Center for Performing Arts here in Boston for 20 years. I did a lot of board stuff, which included them starting to teach me about producing and what it took to bring shows in and learn about how to structure that. And two people on the board were producers. And I would say, how do you do that? And I met with them for so long. You know, this little quick five minute summation was years and years in the making. And um, about nine years ago, an opening came up uh, for somebody to need uh, somebody to sort of be an investor and a co-producer in a show. And there's all kinds of different levels of what you do as in the, under the producing category. And I got involved. And that was nine years ago and have met some people that have been great mentors to me. I feel like I've learned a new language. You've got French, you've got Spanish, you've got Latin, you've got Broadway. <laughs> I have learned a whole new language. And, um, and now I'm, I'm playing with them. I, I take my little Amtrak. I'm the queen of Amtrak. I take it down from Boston all the time. And thank God meetings happen uh, over the phone and you can be part of a big meeting and just dial in for it, which is great. And then when you're in the middle of getting a show up and running, you are feet on the ground and I'm in New York a lot. And that's kind of how I, at this advanced age, when I thought I'd be retired, um, I, I'm, I'm running, running back and forth to New York all the time. Can you talk about, cause I can't, I can't say that I even understand it. What is required from a producer other than raising money? Um, is yeah. that what, and you say there are many different levels and oh. many different ways to approach producing. And it doesn't have to be about you investing only or, Gosh, um, okay. yeah, just quickly. No, yeah. it's, it's such a good, qu- it's really the, the quintessential question. Because I, I say to people, I don't walk a red carpet and write a check. That would be, <laughs> that's not what I do at all. Talk to my husband. <laughs> you know, when but some people phone. do, right? That is what some, some people, people do, right? Yes. Okay. Some people can, but I, uh, it, it's not necessarily the area of the business that I want to be in. I want to be more involved with the process. So when you start very quickly and there's so much more involved and there's a lot of similarities with every show and then there's a lot of differences with every show you have to start with a project and it's called a lead producer a lead producer will generally find the project and they'll decide if they want to shepherd the project and so that means you know maybe putting together that team of a writer a director a stage Ah. manager and then you you move down the line where 
you you then you start hiring your actors or you have auditions but it's not somebody this morning said to me um you know what's like you should have done you should have told the writer to make this person's part bigger in that show and i said that's not my job necessarily that's that would be the director's job or the writer's job i can offer notes i can offer suggestions sometimes they're taken and and there, you know, I get to see the fruits of my labor on the stage in New York City. It's pretty wild. That's pretty amazing. But for the most part, as a producer, I'm not rewriting a script. I could, but I, but I don't. That's not my job. Um, so you start with sort of a property or something you want to bring, and then you start working on it. Sometimes it's an idea. Sometimes these days a lot of movies are getting made into musicals. So somebody options the rights to the movie, and then you say, okay, I'm looking for songwriters and book writers to come in and do a treatment of it. And then you have readings, and then you have workshops, and then you have rewrites and rewrites and rewrites and more wow. workshops and more readings. And then you decide, okay, Maybe this is in some sort of a presentable format. Well, do you want to go off Broadway first and then come to Broadway and sort of work out the kinks or any other city? Boston was always a very big theater town for New York. People would come and audition and try out shows here before they went in. Now there's really great theaters all across the country that have wonderful programs where I mean, you wouldn't think the Guthrie Theater in Minnesota has become a place that we're all watching, but we all watch what goes on in Minnesota. And La Jolla, California has a great theater scene. And Washington, wow. D.C. and Chicago, they went away. Now they're back. I swear, everything's trying out in Chicago these days. Hmm. So there's Atlanta. Atlanta has a couple of great, I've had to, you know, on my birthday, fly down to Atlanta and fly back or go to Washington, D.C. for Dear Evan Hansen. I had to fly in the morning, catch a matinee at like a tiny small theater and fly back at night. I mean, we're, why do we're you these, think that is? Why do you think it's spread out um, all of a sudden? I, I think that everybody has realized that the way it works is that you could be on a show that has potential, but you don't very rarely. I mean, unless you're Hugh Jackman doing a revival, the revival of music, man, you're not going to come right to Broadway. Right. You have to work on it somewhere else. And right. there's usually lots of places that you go to work it out. And just these other regional theaters um, are, are little places on Hades town. That one won a prize at the New York Theater Workshop after being in Vermont, like being performed out of somebody's, you know, minivan up in Vermont. And then somebody from um, the Edmond, I never knew there was a theater in Edmonton, Canada, but there is. And they said, we will pay you to come here and workshop this show here. And they spent a couple of months rewriting it, reworking it. And then somebody from London saw it. And then they took it to London for like six months. And then it finally came over here. And that's generally the trajectory of a lot of these shows. Too much money to come to New York. And you could lose a lot of money. Right. So try them out in smaller theaters, smaller places. And you've got very appreciative audiences in those places. And they love to you know, see a show. We have it in Boston, the American Repertory Theater, where I was honored to be on the board for eight years. Um, they have a lot of shows that end up going to New York, and it's kind of fun to be here on the ground floor and see where they all start off. But um, so then 
once a lead producer gets sort of a creative team together, then they will start talking to co-producers. And yes, part of the co-producer's job would be to take on investors, or some of them are of an ability where they can write a check themselves, but these, some of these checks can be very healthy checks, and you have to have money to do your shows, so that's producers either take on investors or work on writing checks themselves, but then we are also part of the team producers we sit through advertising and marketing and PR meetings and we decide literally, do we want this billboard or this billboard? This one faces east, this one faces west. Do will we get more traffic looking at the billboard from this angle or this angle? And you go, isn't that silly? But I've spent, you know, hours discussing that very question. And is it do we take an ad out in the paper? Well, that's a lot of money, but do we get more bang for our buck? What do we do? How do we advertise? Who's our target audience? What's the demographic? Who are the people that we, what about group sales? What about targeting schools and universities to have big groups come in or churches or temples or whatever and get big groups of people in? And then we have to facilitate that and get the buses and get people in. And it's, it becomes sort of the minutia of the work. And then every night we get notes from the theater once the show is up and running. And it'll be things like, you know, the light bulb bulb in dressing room four didn't work. Do we have it in the budget to replace the light bulb? And then, we, okay, replace the light bulb. So it's, it, it's from the big to the small. It's everything. So, Candy, talk specifically about you left media um, and then segued your way into producing. Were you running sort of the two things simultaneously it's not like you were media 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 and had nothing to do with theater and all of that and then suddenly segued over you were kind of you were doing things that were always in that interest area of yours to start with is that correct yeah th theater adjacent broadway okay. adjacent um I loved working here. I ran a, a, a community theater program, children's theater community program for five years. Um, I was directing a lot of community theater um, and still doing a lot of writing, news reporting and feature reporting and arts and entertainment reporting. And then in, what was it, 2008, when the economy bottomed out, I literally had been on like summer vacation, like went to Cape Cod for like a week and was on deadline crying as I'm writing in the car, like I've got to finish two articles and then went away and came back and called my editor, said, hey, what do you got for me? And they're like, nothing, nothing ever again. All your freelance writing jobs have now dried up in a minute and we will not be hiring freelancers. And I freaked out. That was what I, I was a writer. That's what I did. All the other stuff was like, fun stuff mm -hmm. and other stuff. And I, I now no longer was writing. I was still doing, running my children's theater program, but that was a big writing or reporting had always been part of what I done had what I have done. And I was, you know, now at that point pushing middle age and I, that was, that was the kick to the gut. Mm -hmm. that I no longer could go to a doctor's office. And when they would say occupation, I just instinctively put down writer. And I was no longer a writer. 
that was a real, um, my identity was taken from me because I thought of myself as a writer and it was gone in a minute. It was gone. And I think the two things that happened, I've always loved cooking. I've always loved, I've always gone to wine tastings and every time we've ever traveled, I'll be like, oh, is there a vineyard? We should go. And I decided to go back to Boston University to go to the wine certification program just because I thought it would be fun. And I figured, well, I'll reinvent myself and do some wine writing. And because, you know, it, it, these people who were doing this wine writing knew a lot about wine. They were terrible writers. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm a good writer and I love wine, so I can learn about it. And I was tr sort of going through my classes. I spent a year at BU in the wine certification master's degree program. And on a New Year's Eve, I was looking for, you know, like rocking New Year's Eve. And I fat fingered the channel and a scrim came up on the TV from a local cable station saying, if you have an idea for a show, please contact us at New TV in Newton, Massachusetts. And I went, this is 10 years ago. And I went, wow, I wonder if they have a wine show or a cooking show. And I called them like the first Monday in January and they said, come in and fast forward for the next 10 years, I created Neighborhood Cooking with Candy Gold where I did my own, I, I wrote it, I edited it, I produced it, I shot it in my own kitchen. I, won a, I ended up winning a contest on Food Network. Um, I won a couple of local cooking contests. This was sort of the boon to my, that my ego needed because I wanted to get back into media. And so cable television. No, I did not get paid a penny. <laughs> Nothing for 10 years. Oh my goodness. Well, but I, Whole Foods was my, I became ah. big enough that Whole Foods became my sponsor. So that was really great. That was really great. So what year food. was that though? How many years were you doing it just I for the love of it? I only stopped it last year because I, I, I had a little bit of a hip injury, so I sort of put the show on the back burner. Plus, I was going to New York a lot. And there's my friends. I love them dearly. But yeah, I did it up until last year, last summer. Oh, oh. And so I just, I had wasn't feeling great and had to deal with my little physical issue. And standing on your feet in a kitchen was not something that I, thank God I'm better now because... I, you know, I love my kitchen. I love cooking in my kitchen, but I did it for a long time. And then shortly after that, I started doing that and I was still doing my children's theater. Um, I got the call to come and do help with some investing and producing. And most people who do invest, you know, do it for fun or for an investment, or it's like the stock market or whatever. I obviously said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to take this seriously. And so I went full throttle into it. And, you know, at the time I'm thinking, well, am I going to start my own theater company in Boston? That was mm -hmm. one trajectory. Or am I going to build a studio in my backyard like Ina Garten and, and end up, you know, being on Food Network full time and have my own cooking show? Or am I going to be producing and really taking that and being in New York a lot and maybe get an apartment in New York or I don't know. So there were, there were a few avenues that I could go down and 
the one that I ended up going, although I don't have an apartment, but in New York. But, <laughs> so any and all people listening, if you want somebody to mooch and stay with you, I'm here. I'm, I'll be a really good house guest. I bring presents. It's great. Um, I, the producer thing is what ended up being the road that I that ended up calling to me and, and working. I met early on, met some great other female producers, and they took me under their wing a little bit. And and now I've probably between producing and investing, I've been involved with over 30 shows over the last nine years. And it's been a revelation. It's, it's been amazing. But yeah, um, when I think back to that fateful week in, you know, as the TV is reporting how everything is, you know, everything is sinking down in the economy. And I like went on vacation. I'm like, oh, I'll come back. I have a lot of stuff to do and to call my editor and get the the word that nope, no more we've been put on on hold. No more freelancers being hired for anything. Yeah. And I remember those I, moments. Yeah. I yeah, remember that. Was that. Scary. that was scary. And then trying to figure out well, what do like I don't know, do I, you know, go to a museum and take a job and give tours? But there were no jobs. I mean, right. truthfully, I looked. Right. I right. looked at all these jobs and I, I applied to a few of them and didn't get them. Right. That was very tough. And so can you talk about for somebody who's segueing in, if they, because you got a call to come and invest in something. If someone wants to move no, them. Can I, can I rephrase oh, that? Okay, Nobody sure. Nobody called me. Oh, no, 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 no. You. Oh, you know, okay. Like, like, you know, homegirl in Newton, Massachusetts. Nobody needs me. Nobody wants me. Okay. My, my money isn't green enough for anybody. <laughs> my, my, my cerebral powers aren't strong enough for anybody. I have had to bang on every door in New York City. They have a lot of people who are you know, have, have money and are really smart, really connected. And they have what they call feet on the ground. They are there and they are doing it. I have had to work really hard to get into this game and stay in this game. It is really difficult. I also think it's harder for a 63 year old woman. Um, you know, you got these young whippersnappers running around and they are doing the job and I can do it too, but it involves taking a train and getting there and keeping up with what's going on. And so my workload becomes harder because I have to stay more relevant. And so can I ask what in what, how does one make that first segue then you're, you're involved, you're, you, uh, there was a story about you inviting the people from waitress over to your house for a pie making <laughs> class. Well that, okay. I was on the board. That was so fun. Um, that was my two worlds coming together. I've never had a happier day. Um, uh, they called uh, me. I was on the board at the ART and they all knew. I mean, I was the one that would bring, you know, the home-baked cookies to our board meetings and things like that. And they knew I was a producer. And Diane Paulus, the legendary director and, and artistic director of, of the ART in Boston, called me and said, we're day one of rehearsal for our new play, Waitress. And we've realized that nobody knows how to bake pies. And this is all about <laughs> being a pie baker. Can we come over to your house and literally 
the, the entire um, cast and Sarah Borales, the songwriter, and Diane. I, I went and I created all the recipes. I went through the movie and when they talk about, you know, marshmallow mermaid pie and, and you know, um, passion fruit pie and the, the ones that get used in the, in the movie slash play. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want my husband Earl's baby anymore pie and things like that. So they, um, I, I sort of replicated all the recipes and brought them in and they, we learned to bake everything and it was, it was amazing. So I, I, Jesse Mueller, who's now doing the um, Patsy Cline musical on Lifetime on TV and has done many Broadway shows. She was the original Carol King and beautiful. She was mm-hmm. in my kitchen. Kiala oh. Settle, who was in um, Showman, uh, you know, with, with uh, Hugh Jackman. Um, and uh, she was the bearded lady who sings the big song. She was in my kitchen. And the, the girl who's now going to be playing Princess Diana on Broadway, she was in my kitchen. So it's been, <laughs> I'm like looking at these people going, wow, all of our careers have really collided. You know, skyrocketed. Yeah. And collided in your kitchen. Yeah, very fun. So that was, that was just a fun day. But it's, you know, I, it's, a little bit of connect the dots. You know, okay. you become friends with these producers and they'll say, hey, we're thinking about doing this or we're going to be doing this. Let's pursue this. And you know what? And this comes full circle. One of my little tips is, you know, know your worth. So I work with people who are far better. We have documents and documents and, you know, far better at reading documents and, and legal stuff than I am. I'm very good at PR and marketing, but I have another friend who is great at it. And she comes up with amazing ideas. I'm the one I have to laugh. They're like, give Candy the script. Have Candy put eyes on the script. She's, she's the oh. writer. She's the reader. She's the director. Good. I'm like, do you understand I only directed children's theater? Like, <laughs> you know? And they're like, no, but is it, do you approach it differently? And I go, no, you don't. You still have to make it form versus function. You still have to have every part of optically, every part of the stage buying into your presentation. And so they give me the script and I'm the one who sits and rewrites. I've had a couple of times with um, Hadestown a little bit and Dear Evan Hansen a little bit where I wrote notes based on the script and said, the story isn't working in this direction. Could this should be changed. And my big story is on opening night of Dear Evan Hansen, the lead producer, I was introducing my husband to her and she said, you should be very proud of Candy. You know, we really used her notes as a blueprint for this show and especially in the second act. And I hope you can see the fruits of your labor on that stage. Wow. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. And I walked away and I burst into tears. And I said, can you imagine getting that compliment that they saw my vision and I thought it lined up with theirs and they ended up using, you know, suggestions that I gave them. And this show is now a massive hit. And I'm wow. like, wow, it, you know, it's shake and bake and I helped. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's where you go, okay. I know that if I help in the areas that I can help with, if I can, you know, um, uh, you know, make my relevance to people by being the person who, you know, when everyone's out, you know, going out to dinner on a Saturday night and I've got three scripts on my bed, 
and I go, okay, I'm, I'm home for the weekend reading and writing notes. That's what I'm doing. And yeah, but okay, that's my value to this production. But what is the opening number for writing a check? Even if it's not, we're not talking, most people aren't going to switch over and go right to Broadway. Like- right. Um, you can become an investor. It, 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 that's pretty standard. It's 25000 Okay. Um, when you get on a show, musicals obviously are more expensive than straight plays. I've been on, been part of a budget team where, you know, there were, there was a group of us, we call it an entity and we're, we're responsible for raising a quarter, a half a million dollars, a quarter of a million dollars. And it's how many people that you can be involved with. I don't think it's telling tales out of school because it's public knowledge. Hadestown, we had to raise, we were on a, a half a million dollars, but five of us were allowed to go into the entity. So it became, I, I was only responsible for a hundred thousand, which mm-hmm. is much less. You find four people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a friend who did Hello Dolly, who took the quarter of a million piece herself and they wouldn't allow more than a single name entity. And she had to get 18 investors at $25,000. That's, that's too rich for my blood. I can't, I can't do that. I can't find 18 people. She could. And that so and is, for her. Is that like finding a friend who is raising seats at a table um, for an event and you're, you're paying your way in to get started? I mean, at, at that level, at 25000 is someone going to let you come in and sweep the floors or... Well, it, it it could be the the difference. You know, I I often laugh because people say, "Well, you know, you're you're donating money. If you donate money to a cause, yes, there there might be some um, back end or whatever. But this is investing. This is more like the stock market. You mm-hmm. could end up if you're right. And I will say, only three and four plays makes money. Three right. out of four. It's a tough business. But when you get the one, then then you make money like a like a dear Evan Hansen or a Hades town will be the the high tide that raises all my other ships so that I can you know do some pet projects or things that I think are this play is so creative and got great reviews and it's deep and it's dark and no one's buying tickets to it oh well oh. <laughs> that's not gonna work but yet it is a revered show and got great reviews and nobody's coming right so, okay <laughs> well but you know, but some of those become pet projects. You do have an opportunity to make money. So I think it's more than just saying, I'm going to write a check and very worthy, give it to a hospital or this or that or or another organization. This is an, an, you have an ability to, yes, get your foot in the door of understanding this business um, and hopefully making some money. Now people, my biggest thing is, oh, my sisters, brothers, friends, aunts, uncle, whatever. Um, they have a daughter and she's, she wants to be on Broadway. Can you make yes. her star? Right. Like, no. Nope. That's not under, not under my hat. Nope. That's a casting director. Uh-huh. Well, can you get us to the casting director? Nope. No, I can't. I'm not stepping on those toes. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, not doing it. Any- stick, to, stick to my lane. Any benefits to being a woman in this business and any benefits or barriers to being an older woman's business? Um, there's a lot of producers who are women, a lot, really smart women. I have to say that. I don't work, 
you know, I, I work with a lot of intelligent women that I like. You know, I'll tell you something else that's very funny. To be in my 50s and now in my 60s, to make some new best friends at this stage in my life has been a revelation. I love my, I love my girl pals. I love them to pieces. We, you know, we've raised kids together. It, I love them so much and they're around the corner and they'll be here with a pot of soup the minute I start to sniffle. But to make really close friends in my 50s in a whole new career and I'm helping them and they're helping me, this is, that's, been, that's been some real girl power. That's been mm. some real bonding that I've been very, very happy about. Now, you know, did they tell me everything? No. Have I had nights where I'm crying? They got this show and I didn't get it. And, but, you know, okay, that happens. Um, you know, and with my other friends, it was who, you know, who's getting into what college? Your kid got into this college. My kid didn't get in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, um, and, and, but, and being older, I think that that's sort of a, a personal thing. I have said, I wish I could have started. I wish there was a mechanism where I could have started this earlier in my life, maybe mm. even 10 years earlier, I would have had a little more energy. I might've been able to jump on that train a little bit more often and, you know, stay in New York on somebody's loppy, you know, lopsided couch a few days longer. You know, now I'm going, eh, do I want to be in a sleeping bag on a floor? No, <laughs> old for that. You know, somebody's couch. No, I'm too getting a little too old to sleep on the couch. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, like last weekend on a Saturday night, the last train back to Boston was seven o'clock. Didn't mm. get home till midnight. I would rather have ended up in my own bed at midnight than spent the night in New York. And I might have missed out on something. I did miss out on things, but I made a choice. So I'm making choices right now that are good for my lifestyle, doing what I can do. And if it means that, you know... I'm not going to be the producer of the next Hamilton because I don't have that connect the dots to get there, but I'm, I'm fine with what I'm doing. I got a few good shows and I'm a few good more coming up and I'm, 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 I'm doing good. That's for 63 great. years old. <laughs> you're doing awesome. So, <laughs> so in closing candy, what three tips would you give somebody who wants to segue into this business? What are your um, best three? I thoughts? have a, I have a favorite word and yeah, everyone has their favorite words. My favorite word is persevere. And it's a little, you know, it's, it's my, my credo. My credo is persevere that when everyone's telling, you no, just keep going. When everyone's going left, you go right. Just keep persevering. When everybody says this isn't going to work, think of one more way to make one more phone call or write one more email and see if it's going to work. Um, what I uh, ne next, uh, and this is key. And you know, Max, we 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 had this. We learned this together. I learned the benefit of homework. I did not want to be the unprepared girl in the class at Dana Hall. I didn't. Everybody was so smart that I didn't want to be the person who didn't do their homework because I would have felt silly. And so I learned at Dana how to do my homework and do it well so that as much for me as for everybody else in the classroom that I could add to the discussion. 
and be part of the group of people who had done the work. It made, it made life easier. It was harder not to do the work because then there were judgments and there were, you know, there were thought processes about who you were. And as a young woman, a young kid, that I didn't want those judgments. There's so much judging that happens for other reasons. You know, take, take the homework issue off the table. So homework. I read more, write more, engage more, think more, stay up with my cell phone under the covers, you know, looking at <laughs> the blogs and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, homework becomes a big deal for me. And, and I do okay. believe that I, I learned that back in the day. Okay. And then the next one would probably be um, have a passion for what you're doing. Passion will take you far and figure out a way to connect the dots. There is a, everything in life. There is a connect the dots. and you just, you have to figure it out. And there are, there have been years that have gone by that I still can't figure out how to connect the dots, but I know that they're out there. Mm -hmm. I just have to keep, you know, trying and failing and trying and failing to figure out a way to connect those dots to get to where you need to go. Awesome. Candy, thank you. <laughs> wow. Incredible. I learned so much. I mean, I can't even, I just, I'm so in admiration of what you've done. And Oh, please. <laughs> everybody, everybody runs into those moments when, you know, when they have to rethink what they're doing and it, and it comes about, well, because we live a long, long life now and we want to be productive. And we're not ready to say goodbye when we have a downturn in 2008. We need to keep going or want to keep going. And you're a great example of that. So thank you so, so much. And I so appreciate you being on Reinvent Yourself. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Candy Coslow Gold. I just love hearing stories of what my old classmates ended up doing and how they all have been so successful and in ways that I would never have imagined. And maybe they would never have imagined either. So it's absolutely wonderful to see people you grew up with doing well, thriving, and moving on to their next reinvention. I hope this story was inspirational for you and I hope that you will follow some of Candy's pointers and I would love it if you like this production if you will give us a few stars so that we rise up in the category and other people who need help with reinvention can find us and if you have a reinvention story or know somebody who is a fabulous reinventor I would love to hear about them Please write me at leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at coveyclub.com. And also come join us over at Covey Club. We are having just a kick-ass time getting to know each other, connecting, and we bring all these fabulous women who I interview into the Covey Club fold because they're so inspirational. And I hope that you will join us next time. Take care.